thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. There are a variety of thoughts that come up when you hear the word hustle. It could always be going above and beyond, working long hours, consistently on the go, etc. Our next guest shows hustle in all those ways, plus more, as he has spent the vast majority of his life traveling city to city and hustling his way to success. I'm excited to have our next guest, Koshe Irby, CMO and SVP of Business Development and Consumer Events for the Professional Bull Riders. Koshe, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Koshe, very excited to dive into your illustrious career. Now, I kicked it off by talking about the hustle of traveling and working, and that's certainly what you're doing now. At the PBR, you're responsible for all aspects of consumer marketing and live event efforts. So walk us through what a day and week looks like for you. Uh, well, it depends on where we start that day and where we start that week in the season. Uh, you know, Typically for us, PBR, my week is pretty vast. Uh, we, we do uh, uh, an event every weekend for the most part. Um, and so this past weekend, let's just talk about it. We, we had a show in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I just landed from. Um, and then prior to that, I was on the road for a couple of business meetings. And then uh, I'm doing my day-to-day office now remotely, uh, but we are doing a lot of day-to-day stuff. I'm currently based in Nashville, Tennessee. And the headquarters in Colorado Springs. We have another office uh, in New York. We have an office here in Nashville. We have an office in, in California. So it's just uh, really trying to connect the dots between all of those offices and all of our remote people and trying to make sure that they're all on the same page and then have uh, some event that's going to take place in some random city that we all converge on and make sure that we all show up knowing what we need to do and we accomplish it. And then we do it again the next week. To, to say that every day is a little bit different is, is to say the least. And, you know, now the PBR has been around since 94. It's got over 600 Cowboys across several countries and the riders compete in over 300 televised events around the world. And the biggest thing I know is about PBR is can you stay on the bowl for eight seconds? So what else all goes into a live event with PBR? You know, people ask me that, right? And, it, and, it, and it's more than just guys getting on the back of bulls and trying to hang on for eight seconds. It's kind of like a rock concert meets a fireworks show meets uh, a live sports competition. 
Um, and, and, and when people ask me to kind of go a little deeper into it, we typically have what we call a, an out. An out is an actual bull ride. That's when the gate opens and the guy comes out. We have about 35 to 40 outs a night. And for me, it's like it's like 40 boxing matches, right? Where mm-hmm. you're going to have this great athlete in a bull, this great athlete in a cowboy, and they're going to try to strategically, one, the bull's bucking the guy off, two, the guy's trying to stay on. And, and it's a dance. And until you kind of see it in person, you really can't articulate it that well. But it's one of those, once you see it and you see the fight and then you have our guys playing the right song, just leading right up until the, when the shoot opens. And then our announcers on top said, he's trying to fight. And you got the bull in, in the shoots bucking and going crazy. And, and then it opens and this fight just starts to happen. And you just take this ride. And then sometimes you take that ride for eight seconds and you're like, yay, and you're cheering with the rider. And more often than not, right. you take that ride for about five seconds and the guy gets bucked off and you feel oh, you just feel like this whole letdown because he got bucked off. And so it, you, you take 40 of those uh, emotional roller coaster rides. That is our event. And then when you put all the theatrics and ancillary stuff that go into it, it just it just creates uh, a, a series of images and a series of experiences that no other sporting property. And t- trust me, I've seen them all yeah. can replicate or duplicate in the world. No, that's awesome. And, you know, as you think about this business, we talk a lot about, you know, sales pitch or elevator pitch. So as you think about the PBR as a whole, what is your elevator pitch for the brand and the overall events? Uh, you know, PBR is where Western sports meets culture. Um, at the end of the day, our goal is to teach people what it means to be cowboy. Think about it this way. When you see a cowboy, you see a guy with a hat on, on top of a bull, on top of a horse, I don't have to tell you what it is. You know, that's a cowboy. And when you start to now take that imagery and you put it into the PBR, and now you have this, this, this sporting brand that's doing all these modern contemporary things. We brought rock and roll. We brought uh, hip hop. We brought uh, fireworks to this traditional rodeo landscape. And taking it to the what I like to call the 21st century. And and that's now impacting and pushing the culture. And so it's Western sports meeting pop culture. And, and, and that's kind of where I describe the intersection of our property and our brand. You know, I'm sure the listeners are getting pumped up. And, and I certainly, you know, enjoyed our conversations in the past in regards to the PBR and, you know, over that overall entertainment value. We talk a lot about in this business control what you can control and, and it's controlling that experience. And so as we're certainly going to dive into the rest of your career and you've had experiences, as you previously mentioned, in a wide variety of sports. What would you say are some key similarities and then differences from PBR to some of the other sports that you're a part of? Well, I mean, you got to think about it. When you, when you, when you look at the sports I've chosen, they've always been extreme. And, you know, from, from my days in college athletics to, you know, uh, a text message can ruin an entire season because you're dealing with an 18 year old that just doesn't know how to comprehend that right then. Yep. I left college athletics then to go to, to WWE where you have grown men lathering themselves up in baby oil and beating the crap out of each other <laughs> all in the name of entertainment to leave that, to go to professional football where, you know, you got gladiators on the field to leave that to where, uh, you know, 120 pound male is going to strap himself to a 2000 pound bull and hold on for eight seconds. And so I'm kind of biased when it comes to, you know, the sport and what I, I like the more extreme, the better for me. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, outside of the facade of the, the actual talent that's being on display, put on display at the event, it's all the same thing. You're just creating experiences for consumers and, and all your stakeholders. And, and that muscle memory 
survive through anything that I'm doing, right? It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to market an event, which means I got to get people to come in. We're going to get people to tune in. I got to get people to participate, whatever it may be. Those, those, those levers don't change. It's just the fact of, of what that finished product looks like that, 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 that changes. But once again, the, the inputs are pretty much all the same. The outputs just look a little different because the inputs may have a little bit different flavor to them. No, absolutely. And appreciate that. And, and Coach A, we talk a lot about and certainly have talked a lot about with my previous guests on 52 Weeks of Hustle, passion, passion for the business, passion for the brand. And, you know, I, I guess the ask is, did you have a passion for bull riding prior to joining the PBR? No, uh, I am. Uh, I didn't know much about bull riding before we got approached about the position, but you know, I, I am passionate about the values that they represent. Um, you know, one of the things that the company was founded on is, is the be cowboy principles. And, and, and everybody has their, the ability to be cowboy. And if you're okay with helping your fellow brother, sister out in a time of need, if you're not, not afraid of a hard day's work and you're willing to walk into a, a, a unknown situation first, you're a cowboy. Yeah. And everyday Americans get to put that on display every day. And when I think about me and my career, I love helping people out, right? I'm not afraid of a hard day's work. And I love going into the unknown. If you look at my track record in my career, it's always been, I take the path, you know, less travel. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, I am an, uh, a dude that rocks Jordan sneakers and a baseball cap. And I will wear that to our events because that's me. And so you're like, well, he doesn't fit, but I do because the yeah. principles are, are, are the same. And so for me, I, I, I can't necessarily sit here and tell you who was the greatest bull rider. I can now, but I won't tell you because I love all my children the same. <laughs> but who was the greatest bull rider of all time or, or start to ramble off stats like some people would do who've grown up in the business. But I, I am a fan of the business and I'm a fan of the talent that these guys have to possess in order to do what they do. And so I've grown into a fan. Um, but one of the things that I love about this business is I didn't have to grow up into it to be attracted to the business and attracted to the sport. Um, so that's so, so no, I didn't necessarily have a passion for it, but, but uh, I did have a passion for the business and now I have a passion for the sports. So I love these guys and I love what they do. They can come together and absolutely not. You know, I've always mentioned one of my first jobs out of college was working for an NHL team, the Atlanta Thrashers. I'd never been to a hockey game until then, you know, until right. my interview. And so, but you had a passion for the business, passion for the craft. And, you know, as you thought about this opportunity and coach, Hey, you just mentioned like you, your career has kind of been set on taking the path unknown and maybe taking some risk. Why is that so important to you? Because I don't want to be still. I don't, I don't want to retire on a job, man. I know a lot of people, I mean, a lot of my peers, and I, I call them out on, and sometimes they call me out on. It's just a, my philosophy in is I don't want to go and, and get stagnant or be able to rinse and repeat. Um, I like the idea of having to create and recreate and innovate in order to survive. And, and that type of pursuit is what motivates me. You know, I, I could go easily go to probably some collegiate place and open up the doors and uh, at some of these football stadiums and 50,000 people are going to show up just to see why the lights are on. I, I don't get I don't I don't get motivated by that. For me, I like to just say, place me in a desert and see if I can figure it out. Yep. And when you're in a live event business or you're in a touring business, I have to pick up my product and move it to a new city and figure it out. And I, I feed off of that. Uh, I get to tell my story to a different audience in a different way and try to figure out what make, what ticks in that community. And then we get to try to you know crack that code again, and we do it about a hundred times a year. And so I, I feed off of that, and 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 that's why I've always tried to pick industries where it, it requires for me to have uh, a curiosity 
or a passion for learning and trying to figure it out versus a curiosity for, a, all right, how can I go just add an extra $5 to this ticket and do that? It's just not where I am right now in my career and my mindset. No, absolutely. And you previously mentioned with PBR that the main office and headquarters out in Colorado, but then there's kind of pop-up offices, a variety of areas. Your home base, when you are home, is in Nashville, obviously on the road quite a bit. How are you leading people in the vision from across the country and helping keep people efficient and effective based on all of the priorities? A lot of phone calls, a lot of travel, um, and, and you, you got to meet people where they are. Um, you know, with Teams and Microsoft Teams, Zoom, all the, the, the video chat opportunities have come about. You, you, you have to do that. But I, I am still one of those where I believe that, that, that the serendipitous uh, ideas that comes from human collisions is still something that's worthwhile. Majority of the great ideas happen sometimes at a bar, at the water cooler or whatnot, or somebody looking over your shoulder just saying, oh, if you just do that thing then it'll make this thing that much better. And so I'm a big believer of traveling around. I try to go meet my team where they are so that they can be comfortable where they are. Um, but that's a big thing for me. And the cool thing about our events is they, you know, we, we get to come together every week um, in some shape, form, or fashion, whether, whether it be in Lincoln, Nebraska, or next week in Las Vegas, where we'll have a good chunk of the team come out to uh, uh, kind of get together and just have those, once again, human, those human connections that, that I think are required in a live event or any type of creative industry. If we were making screwdrivers as a living, all you got to do is just kind of pound the metal together, make sure you forge the steel and slide it down an assembly line. That's one thing, but we're in this business of trying to create unique experiences and to create those unique experiences, I have to go meet my people where they are. So, you know, long answer to a short question is a lot of phone calls, a lot of interaction, a lot of making sure I can meet them with, you know, face to face and just have that opportunity to banter shoot the crap with them. And because like I said, a lot of those ideas comes when you, when you're at your most uncomfortable, uh, I'm sorry, when you're at your most comfortable, a lot of, a lot of ideas come when you're just sitting around. It's like, you know, how many times have you, you know, you're probably Travis, you, you've been around, you know, this, how many times you've been kind of just sitting in the stands and you're like, you know, it'd be cool if we fill in blank. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, that's the dumb smartest idea you I've ever what? heard. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. So exactly. I, I just firmly believe in those. And, and I think that for me, that is where I am with my career right now is just trying to, to, to make those connections to allow for people to, to be the best version of themselves and be the most creative version of themselves. And I got to foster that in a way that I feel the best way I do that is by being in contact with them and just using the technology that I have and using a lot of the uh, airlines uh, for my benefit at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's a great analogy on the screwdriver end, right? It's like, you, you don't want to be doing something to just check the box or it's like, hey, it's the same thing over and over, which kind of leads into my next question is, you know, the PBR certainly has had that cowboy you know, mantra that you spoke about. And is during the pandemic, you're certainly one of the, the last organizations to sit, shut down the first one to get back from a live event perspective. And so why is innovation and a strong pursuit so important in this business? Well, I mean, in, in our specific industry, um, a lot of people depend on us to eat and feed their families. And so we felt that the last thing that we wanted to do was, was have people go without. If we, if, if yep. we could do it and do it in a way that keeps the business alive and, 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 and keeps our partners producing. So when, when it, you know, I never forget, it was it was March 13th, Friday, March 13th, it was in Duluth, Georgia, and everybody kind of started to get the news of the world was in this process of shutting down right before our very eyes, right? I remember yep. we had a 5,000 cap, then it was like 500, then it was 250, then it was like 200. 
and we had to pull off an event. So we had, we basically had to, to refund everybody that was coming to the show that night. And then we just basically did our show without fans. It was the craziest environment. And then when we got back in the office on Monday, we had a meeting and we sat down and said that we got two options and one's really not an option. That option is going to be one of those options where we can tuck tail and wait for somebody to tell us what to do. We can figure out a way to keep feeding our employees, stock contractors, riders, and everybody else that depend on the PBR. And we sat out on our course to do that. So we created what is called the Be Cowboy Safe program. And, and we kept, we just kept bucking bulls. And so we were the first one to have a bubble where we brought everybody to Guthrie, Oklahoma, and, and, and we gave everybody their own RVs. We kind of had the Woodstock of bull riding where yeah. you never came into contact with one another until we figured out how we could do it. And then from there, we were the first event back on TV. And then we were the first event back with fans in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in July of that year. And we've been touring ever since. And, and it goes back to the Be Cowboy mantra that we like to reference. Are you, you know, are you okay with uh, kind of going into fear, the, the unknown first? Yeah, we checked that box. Uh, are you, you know, do you want to help your fellow brother or sister out when they in time of need? Believe you me, during that pandemic, everybody was in a time everybody of need and we that. wanted to check that box. And then and that last thing, where you are, are you are you not afraid of a hard day's work? And take my word for it, there was a lot of 17, 18, 19 hour days of pulling that off in order to get our business back up and running. And so I, I thrived on that. It was the B Cowboy mantra that that this company was built on. And we just, all we did was just follow our principles. And it led us to being that first sport back, first sport on TV and the, the, the first tour back up and running. No, it's, it's awesome, Coach A. And certainly a, a lot of excitement, a lot of opportunity here with PBR. And, you know, on behalf of all the listeners, we're excited to see it continue to grow and develop. Uh, and as you think about, you know, you talked about traveling. We've talked a lot about that. And, you know, this isn't the first time traveling with the world with live events as you previously had spent seven years, as you mentioned, with the WWE as the regional director of live events. And at that time, you're based in L.A. and you really helped grow that WWE circuit from 300 to 600 events, you know, 600 plus events per year. How was that overall experience for you? It was cool. Uh, I, I thrived on it. I mean, keep in mind, I came from college athletics and then I got into WWE and when you, and it, it really truly taught me that what, what touring was all about. And nobody does it better than WWE when it comes to storytelling and whatnot. They, they just have a way to package it that nobody else can replicate. Um, but, but what that, that experience taught me was the, the power of will, the power of, of scalability and what that can do for it. You can replicate your experience over and over again and make it worth repeating. You're on to something, right? Um, people wanted to come back and see the product. And that was the genius of Vince. And so I loved it. It, it allowed for me to see this world. I, I've, I've saw, if you, you name a, a, a city that has an arena in it or a stadium, I've probably been there. Yeah. Been to all the continents, been to all the major venues in the world, put on shows in places I never thought I would visit as a kid or hell as an adult. And, and WWE provided me those opportunities. For that, I'll always be grateful. And it, and it also let me kind of crack codes and, and markets and figure things out and take some risk that I couldn't take in any other situation that I had and, and it let me better hone my skills and figure out how to work with different promoters, different venues, different markets, different languages, different cu customs, cultures, uh, currencies, all of those things that go into to creating that experience. Uh, I, I had a chance to, 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 to make, my, make my bones there at WWE. So it was a cool experience for me. You know, talking about a wonderful experience. I, you know, I, I grew up a WWE fan and, and I've always heard and, and saw firsthand at times how intense Vince McMahon was, but how great of a leader and kind of the characteristics he brought to the table. How was working for a guy like him? 
best thing ever. I mean, the, the quote that everybody uses of Vince is you treat every day like it's your first day on the job. And if you think about the product, that's what he does every day. He'll come in and he's not afraid to say from a fresh perspective, hey, I like this, but today now requires this. Let's pivot the product. And if you look at that product, it can pivot weekly, literally <laughs> weekly, the product pivots. And so that that mantra is one of those that gives you that creative freedom to go and try things um, and, and, and do some things that are unheard of. And Vince is tough. Don't get me wrong. He's a very yeah. tough and very demanding uh, leader. But he's also very fair um, and, 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 and when he can, looks out for his team. And you think about you know, the WWE as a whole, and a lot of our listeners are, are certainly selling properties that have season tickets or you know, multiple events. But then there are a lot of our listeners that are selling one event you know, or a weekend of events. And, and that certainly was WWE, certainly PBR. Is, it's, it's kind of a new market every day. Is there's not necessarily such thing as season ticket holders. So what are key initiatives that, that you and the team are taking on a consistent basis? Um, I think the biggest thing that, you know, when, when you come to that touring model, specifically one that comes to your city three, four times a year or one time a year is how do you build off of grassroots marketing? Like the one thing that stick and ball sports or professional sports have the advantage of is you become conversational topics around the dinner table during your season. You know, how did the Titans do this weekend or how did Penn State do this, this weekend? Or did you see that game? Or, oh, my God, our fill in blank team did this or perform poorly or whatever. And so you're already in the lexicon of the, of, of the community. The hard part for a tour is I need to be in the lexicon of the community pretty much for about 90 days out of the year, and then I'm gonna disappear. And then I gotta go back in and restart that over. And so one of the things that we pay attention to is how can we exist in the market even if we're not there, one. And then number two, what are those grassroots linchpin opportunities that we could take advantage of to allow for us to easily just migrate back into the communications cycles of most people, whatever it may be, whether that's radio announcers, news broadcasters, the dad at the dinner table, the son at the dinner table, the football team when they're right before or after practice. Hey, did you hear that blank was coming to town? I can't wait to see X. And so we that is where I think we have to win as a once in an opportunity, a once in a season type opportunity that's going to happen. And. Um, in that respective market. And that's where we're trying to do a lot more of our battle. It's easy for us to come in and buy commercial spots. It's easy for us to come in and buy a billboard. But until you can kind of get yourself deep-rooted into that community in some shape, form, or fashion, where once again, you become part of that normal communication cycle, uh, that's when it, that, that, that's, that's the difference between a successful event, i.e. bowl game, like a Rose Bowl or, or, or something of that nature, or the Tennessee Titans or the Miami Dolphins football season, and the, the, you know, a Bon Jovi type concert or PBR is we can get ourselves in, in, into that lexicon. We're good. If you're not in that lexicon, that's when you see a lot of the team struggling when you're not a thought. And so at the end of the day, I just want to first start with just thought starters. I tell our team this way, just go ahead and try to generate thought. I don't care how you do it. Just generate thought. If you can ge generate that thought of people even thinking about you, then you can start to try to reinforce it with other marketing mediums and levers that you can pull. But, but if you don't generate thought, everything else is just just white noise for a lot of people no gr great great advice and great example it is it's all about generating thought in general and, and even some of the times just a thought-provoking idea to, to get right. minds spinning and and Koshe, you've talked a lot about in this podcast you're on the road a lot which means certainly a lot of flights a lot of hotels so what's your go-to airline and hotel oh i get in a lot of trouble i mean like now if you're in the touring business these, these are fighting words because i've seen guys like this, this gets serious. So oh, for yeah. me, I am a, I am a Marriott points guy. Uh, I am an American Airlines uh, for my flights. 
and I am national car rental for my cars. Right. And, 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 and that's it. Now, if, if our travel team booked me at a Hilton, we got some issues. Or if I find myself in like a, you know, a, a Hertz or something, we got some issues. Yep. And so we, or if it's not a one world airline, like that they co-share with, I got issues because I'm loyal to those, those deals. Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to spend one, two million miles on the road and two, 300 nights on the road a year, at some point, I'm going to use these points. I'm just not going to use them in the day because the, the, here's, the, here's the downside of traveling a lot is the last thing you want to do when you get home is get on another flight, go check into a hotel or get a rental car. Right. But one of these days, I promised my wife and all my family that I will give, we're going to take the biggest vacation ever. And I got enough points to do it. Uh, as you say, you have we'll, enough we'll points to take a year long sabbatical. Right. We, you know. So we do, man. And it's, it's one of those days I promise, I keep promising my family we're going to do it. And we, we've, we've taken, we've taken advantage of it, you know, yep. like I've had the opportunity to upgrade with fly first class and have done some things and because of the points and, and what they afford me to do. And just this past year, we, we rented. Uh, so I don't know if anybody knows, but I'll let everybody know. But if you're Marriott Bonvoy members, they're now into the whole residential rental business, similar to Airbnbs and whatnot. And so yep. we had this nice, Airbnb in Florida uh, this summer. And it, I mean, it was bad. We had like a cabana bed, like these grills. They had a butler. I mean, awesome. it was so awesome. So we had an opportunity to experience that. And that was pretty cool. And so, you know, now we're just using it for the good. Yeah. No, and I always, you know, coming from somebody that, that has traveled a lot as well, you know, from work, it's you want to stay consistent. One, because it's just the comfort level, but also the, their loyalty programs. You know, and I think it's it's great ways to review a Marriott loyalty program an American airlines loyalty program of saying like, how can we do th similar things on the team yeah. side as a benefit package? And, you know, so as, as you think about now your WWX WWE experience and, and then now in the PBR prior to that, you were the team president of Memphis, Memphis express the Alliance of American football league. And now that brought you full circle as, as growing up, you played defensive back actually at the university of Memphis. And so, how was that overall experience for you in the short stint of the league? I loved it. And I get the number one question I get on that is if you knew what you knew at the end, would you do it again? And the answer is yes, yep. absolutely. Uh, you know, I think everybody that was presented the red or blue pill chose the red pill dove all the way in. And we knew it was a startup. We knew the opportunities um, uh, of startups and how they can make it or not make it. And I loved it. Uh, you know, for me, it was twofold, right? Uh, I, I had a very comfortable situation with WWE. We were traveling the world. We were doing great things. Um, but, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you stick around and, and, and kind of try to go with the, the XFL? Well, there's, there's only one Memphis, right? And Memphis was the game, the, the place that taught me the game of football. And so for me to have the opportunity to bring professional football back to the, to, to my college my alma mater and playing the scene, you know, and, and, and run a team in the stadium that I once played in, it, you know, it's, those are kind of once in a lifetime opportunities that you just can't pass up. And so I took that opportunity. I, I dove in head first and we tried to revolutionize the game experience at, at, at the Liberty Bowl. And if you look now with the Tigers and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl and all those guys are doing, they're using some of the things that we brought in. So I, I think that we've left a little bit of a legacy there. Yep. Um, a lot of unpaid bills, but a little bit of legacy there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I love the experience, man, because it got me, thinking how can we revolutionize 
this experience that, to my opinion, that, that, that was becoming stagnant, right? You look at these, you, look, you know, a lot of, a lot of college administrators or a lot of college marketers go and look at their building and the building was built a hundred years ago. And it was like, Oh, we can't do anything with this. And as you know, we're so, and I was like, that's just baloney. If yeah. you are in the business of creating experiences, you'll figure out a way to create experiences in and around that building. And, and what the Memphis express and Charlie and those guys allowed me to do was create new experiences. And, and, and for that, I will always be thankful. It allowed for me to, once again, man, you know, everybody wants to go back and run their hometown team or try to become right. that guy. And so I, I love the experience and I would, I would do it again. Well, not anytime soon, but I would do it again if it was in the same point in time and all that good in stuff. That same opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately the league ended abruptly. And in this business, we talk a lot about control what you can control. And I'm sure that time was not easy and, and you had to figure out how to bounce back. You know, you came, you were working at WD in great role, took that risk, took that opportunity, but what's your advice to listeners on just being able to find a way to keep moving forward, no matter what kind of things are thrown at you. And sometimes it's a, a negative thing or, or something that just folds. Everything's an opportunity. It's that simple to me. Everything's an opportunity. It's, you know, even in your failures, you're learning something. You're learning how not to do something, right? Um, and, and I think the bigger the failure, the bigger the opportunity, um, because that means you swung for the fin- defenses. And for me, with the, the Express, I swung for the fences. We missed. Okay, cool. Um, we're going to find a new opportunity, and we're going to go back in. I, I know some things that I do differently. I know some things that I'm going to replicate, and, and we're going to keep going forward. So I think that a lot of people – you know, Vince gave me some advice one time and I use it to this day and, and I try to, and I won't do it in my Vince voice, but he basically said that in, in this business, specifically sports live event business, you're only as good as your last event and there's always another event. And that sticks with me in life, man. Like at the end of the day, yeah, I may have had my last event may have been a high or a low. Um, and and I'm, that, that's my worst, in my opinion, right then and there. Okay, cool. But there's always another event that's going to come up and are you going to rise to the challenge and whatnot? And so that I live by that cold man it's it's kind of like the old mantra of defensive back right they're going to be great plays they're going to be bad plays you just got to be ready for the next play and that's that's just that mantra and I think that that's one of those things that the game of football taught me is you know they're going to be good plays and bad plays just be ready for the next play And, and if you do that you're going to be okay but if you start you know feeling sorry for yourself falling into these 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 sunken places uh and and woe is me and throwing yourself a pity party Nobody's going to come and save you, right? So you're just going to keep burying yourself even more. And then when that next opportunity comes up, you're not ready because you got so much weight on your chest that you can't even respond to it. So like, that's just for me is look at everything as an opportunity and, and treat it just that way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Koshe Irby, CMO and SVP of Business Development and Consumer Events for Professional Bull Riders. And Koshe, we've talked a lot about your traveling, and that certainly started for you at a very young age. You were born in Mississippi. You grew up in Nashville, where you're at today. And However, your mother was in real estate opening new apartment buildings, which resulted in a lot of travel. It was from kindergarten to the ninth grade. You grew up and you were in a new school each year. So how was it growing up in that type of a lifestyle, you know, alongside your younger brother? Uh, it, for me, it was cool um, because I didn't know any better. Right. right. Um, and so, it, but I also think that it allowed for me to be more accustomed to this gypsy style lifestyle that I'm living right now is because I can pick up and move and do some things. Uh, my brother, he had a different opportunity. My mom decided to settle when, you know, I kind of uh, hit college and my brother was kind of coming of age. He's nine years younger than me. So he, he, we have two totally different lifestyles. Whereas me, I'm like, Oh, you want to move tomorrow? Cool. Let's do it. Whereas him, he grew up, he, he had deep rooted friends. He has friends since high school. They still hang out today. Their kids are growing up with one another. And me, I'm like, all right, we're going to move to Dallas next week. And it's just that way. And so there it is. Yep. Uh, and, and when you're in this business, um, you know, you're on, you, you, to move up is to move on sometimes. And, and, and it's not to try to say that, you know, I want to paint that picture. You got to go and just take any opportunity anywhere, but it, it allowed for me to do just what I'm doing. I think it has set me up to, to not have to stay in professional sports or stay in this thing because I'm just so used to having, confines of I, I, I gotta you know have this house and I'm gonna grow up in this house I'm gonna raise my kids in this house and they're gonna go to that school I'll figure it out in the next city that I get to if that's to be and, and, and that mantra allowed for me to be a little bit more of a risk taker than the average person I think and so uh that to me is a positive I took to that some people may look at it as a negative it's like dude can't stay anywhere and it's for a long period of time okay cool I'll take that too but uh, I still look at that as a positive no, absolutely. Well, I previously mentioned you went to the University of Memphis. You talked about like kind of the coming home. You receive a degree in exercise science and, and go on to get your MBA in marketing. And while you're playing football, you really had your eyes open up to the business world as you started a kids fit camp. And so talk to us about that experience. Well, first off, I got to make sure the NCAA is not listening because, <laughs> uh, you know, they might try to go back and sanction Memphis for some 1996 to 01 uh, violations. But so at the end of the day, I, I, I did this. So I started this camp, right? And this camp was uh, basically aimed at middle school kids that wanted to figure out what sports they wanted to get or get extra instruction in sports. And so me being the kind of entrepreneurial spirit in college that I was, I went and got all my friends in the athletic department. So if you ran cross country, I got you to come teach all the track kids how to run track and train and stretch. If you play basketball, I had these guys come and teach some basketball drills and run them through. If you ran, uh, if, you, if you did uh, wrestling, you probably came over and did wrestling. Whatever sport you did as a student athlete, I had you come over and teach these guys. And I paid these guys a fair wage to come and do this. I, you know, we, we held, uh, 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 you know, we held it inside of a, a facility that I rented out and I call it Coche Irby Fit Kids Camp. Now, today they probably can get away with that because the NLI has changed. The NL, but yep. when, when I was playing, oh, my God, you would have thought that uh, the I, world would have ended. The world almost ended for me in my college career faster than I actually got on the field. And so <laughs> it was, so I did this, I made a lot of money. Um, and, 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 and then subsequently got shut down because it was a major NCAA violation according to uh, NLI standards. But what it did though, it taught me the, the, that I knew I wanted to get into this kind of events, lifestyle sports business um, because it was just, it was fun, right? You were creating these experiences. And back then 20 years ago, 
you know, I'm rounding down in that case too for anybody out there doing the math. Uh, but it, it allowed for me to 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 understand the value of of what creating experiences meant, right? If you can create these worthwhile experiences that are worth repeating, you're on to something. And this camp was one of those. Because keep in mind, I had various sessions through that summer, and I had some of the same kids coming back trying other sports, and it was a cool thing. And I realized that this is something that I wanted to do. And so when I graduated from Memphis, uh, I had a bunch of offers, you know, coming out with my MBA. I could go to AutoZone, FedEx, but I took this job with Conference USA in Chicago, Illinois, uh, not paying a lot of money, but it was going to allow for me to create these tournament experiences that built off of what I did there. So if it wasn't for me having that entrepreneur idea to start Fit Kids Camp, I would probably be an analyst right now for a FedEx or an AutoZone or something. And I'll probably yeah. still be there doing um, the same thing to this day, because I probably would have fell into a trap of, okay, I got to go raise my kids here and go to that school district and blah, blah, blah. But it allowed me to see things a little differently. No, that's awesome. What a great experience. And certainly that entrepreneurial and that, that business mindset. And you, you talked about, you get into the college space first and foremost, and, and you'll once in, as the director of sales and marketing for St. Louis university, and you're responsible for developing and managing revenue for the overall athletic department. And so how was kind of that experience coming from the college and working at conference USA into, to St. Louis university? It was, it was, it was, well, let's, let me back up. There's a step in the middle that's critical to this. So when I left, I actually went to work for Dell computer Corp as a sales analyst. And we were doing a bunch of money, but I hated being 25661, which is my employee number. I never forget that number because I, I just didn't, I didn't feel it, right? 25661. And so we were doing, you know, $30 million in our unit. Things were great, but it didn't anything for the $4 billion. It didn't even pay Michael Dale's bonus that year, right? And so at that, at, at that time, I was like, I just felt like a cog in a machine, right? And so when I left there and I went to, uh, to St. Louis University, I never forget, I landed like a $12,000 sponsorship agreement. And you would have thought I made it rain at the, yeah. you know, it was awesome. And everybody crushed was like, it. great job. I crushed it. I was like, wait a minute. It, this is what it feels like. And, and, and so I started to realize that, you know, those little, those little small nuggets were big wins uh, for certain deals. And, and so I, I just fell in love with that, man. I love college athletics and, and that's kind of why I, I stayed in it for as long as I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, you, you, it led to an assistant AD role at the University of South Florida. Then you headed back to St. Louis University as the associate athletic director. And you know, after three years, the associate AD, you kept climbing the ladder to now the senior associate AD at Georgia State University, where you spent over two years. And so as you think back at your time at USF, St. Louis and, and Georgia State, what were you most proud of as a, as a total 30,000 feet view? Oh, the impact I made on student athletes lives. Yeah. yeah. Is that simple for me? Like if you're in the business of college athletics, um, don't get me wrong. And I want to be clear. It's a business, but majority of the humans that work in college athletics have the student athlete and their experience at the top, at the top of their priority list. And that's what, that's what motivates a lot of them, right? Is, yeah. is creating opportunities for student athletes. And for me, that was my marching orders. And that was my mantra is like, I wanted to be able to either go out and do this sponsorship deal so that we could put more revenue in the bucket so that we can create a better experience for our student athletes. I mean, it's it, it just the continuum stayed the same. So when I look at back on my college athlete, uh, my, my collegiate administration days, the impact that I had on student athletes lives um, is hands down the, the most rewarding thing for all that. Now, there are a bunch of subsets of all of that, right? But right. overall, that, that that's that's what I remember the most. And that's what I'm most proud of. And you certainly make a huge impact on a lot of people. And, you know, as you think about your your 
trajectory of your career path is, is going right in the direction to potentially become an AD at school. And that, that seems like the next logical step. Uh, however, that's when you made the transition to WWE. And I thought, you know, in, in catching up with you in the past, you kind of told a really unique and interesting story. Like, why did you make that move? And, and why didn't you go to the AD route? I wasn't mature enough to be an AD at that point. And I had to be honest with myself. I think a lot of people place themselves on that on that track of I got to become an AD. And I just knew that that wasn't what I wanted in my life at that point. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yep. I I decided that and I and I'll never forget, I sat down with Cheryl Leverick, who was my AD at the time. And I was like, Cheryl, the only thing I leave you for is something in California and something in the touring business. And, you know, in her mind, she was like, cool. Those two things have never happened. Yeah, those uh, don't come together. together those will never come together. And so I never forget, I sat down with WWE and they were like, Hey, we want you to, you know, uh, work with us in the live event unit and head up one of our unit, our regional offices. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm New York. I'm not moving to Stanford, Connecticut in the York area. It's just not my vibe right now. I was like, Oh, great. No, we want you to move out to LA. I was like, wait, let me get this straight. I'm going to go work in a live event business and you're going to move me to LA. Oh man. Where I do I sign? Cheryl, right. And, but, and so those two things kind of happened together, but it was, I realized that, you know, and, and I, I knew college athletics. I love the passion about it. I love everything about it. I love everything that went into it. But I also knew that that next step for me was not one that I was mature enough to make. And when you start entrusting, I mean, think about this. And, and the gravity of one of the things that the Division One Institute taught me was you're going to have parents sending their 18-year-old kids off to you. And it's up to you to try to create the safest possible environment for them. By default, you are an extended member now of the parental family. That's a lot for any individual to head to, to head up. And so yeah. I, 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 I admit that I wasn't ready for that. And that was a comfortable decision for me. And I, and I would have been cool being the external guy for a very long time at that role. Unless, once again, serendipitously, WWE came and knocked me with an opportunity that literally uh, filled exactly what I was looking for. And I, I went, I took, took that step and the rest is history. No, and Coach a, I appreciate the vulnerability and, and certainly the transparency. And I think that's great advice too, is just doing what you're passionate about, what you feel most comfortable with. And like, it's not always about, well, Hey, I have to keep going this corporate ladder because that's what the book says, you know, or that's what it tells me. And so as you look back at all your experience, you've had a ton of great experiences, ton of great, you know, from, from worldwide to working with a lot of great people and a lot of great, probably just different budgets, right? Big budgets, the small budgets, everything in between, you know, from collegiate space, WWE, PBR, football. What is your advice on listeners to, to listeners on just being willing to take a chance? Just that, be willing to take a chance. I think, you know, when you start talking about career paths and everything, I think that a lot of people, uh, so it's, it's, two, it's two schools of thought, and, and I, and I kind of walked through both. Um, the first one is, um, you know, when you take your first job, don't take that first job based off of some arbitrary parameters that you think, you know, fit this deal. Take that job based off of your strengths and your interests, right? Uh, if you're interested in live events, if you're interested in traveling, Get a job with a tour. It doesn't have to be X tour. Just get a job with a tour. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, I don't want to go into soccer. I only want to go into football. I want to go into the NBA route. And I'm going to work my way up through that. It's all muscle memory. Once you learn how to sell a ticket, you learn how to sell a ticket. Once you learn how to market an event, you learn how to market an event. I don't care if you're marketing the Boston Marathon, the Rose Bowl, or 200 WWE or PBR events. It's all muscle memory. Yep. So, you know, once again, align just your passions and, and what you're trying to do 
um, with that opportunity. And if they, if they have an alignment, take it. If not, then, you know, don't take it. So that, that's the first thing I tell a lot of people. And then the, the second thing that I think a lot of people fall into the trap, they, 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 that a lot of people fall into this trap is they, they, they don't, they, they, they don't necessarily listen to their carnal instinct on, on, on if they like or don't like something, right? Yeah. If you're not comfortable, if you're not waking up motivated in, in a rat race, figure out a new race. And, right. and that is where I think a lot of people, uh, you know, are, are kind of retiring jobs and get themselves into uh, a bad state. Uh, I, I try to tell our team all the time, one of the things that I live by, and I heard this from uh, Chuck, the CEO from, 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 from Cisco Systems, and he says, is, there's, there's, there's three priorities and there's no debate. There's you, your family, and your job. If you're not in balance, you're going to go home with a crappy attitude to your family. Then that's going to lead to a, a, a tumultuous situation. And then you're going to bring that attitude back to work. That's going to lead to you not being right. And then you just start, to, you start a downhill spiral. And I think a lot of people don't take an ask, you know, a true assessment of them and what makes them tick. Um, to really truly balance themselves out. And then it subsequently goes into a downward spiral. And then you basically connect it with other people who are in misery. And now you're just in an echo chamber of misery. And then the rest is down here from there. So I, 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 I try to tell people all the time, align your, 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 your gifts and your talents with the opportunity that best suits you, not necessarily something that has a skin on it, uh, a league, a brand or something. And while you're in that, whatever that situation is, do a true assessment of yourself. Are you, I mean, ask yourself a simple question. Are you happy? Right. And if it's not an immediate yes, you got to take a full audit of that situation. Um, now, don't confuse hard work and a little bit of pressure with unhappiness. But if you aren't motivated, if you aren't waking up with that, that drive to do better, you got to be honest with yourselves and make sure that you're, you're pulling the right levers in order to change your situation wherever you can. Absolutely. Great advice. And you know, Coach Jay, such a great career and fun journey. As you look back on it, what's been your best memory? Ooh, my best memory? I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, you got to realize like in, in the event business, my, my best memory, well, I take that back. Uh, I think I, I heard one of your podcasts recently and, and Scott O'Neill, I think said it best. He was like, you know, uh, uh, plant your tree where your feet are. I think it's something that, yeah. along that tune. And for me, uh, I, I took that as just be present wherever you are, right? And, and, and so I don't necessarily want to go back and create this one instant memory. For me, it's just a collection of memories that create uh, something that I can be proud of. And so I don't have I don't have that one thing that stands out. I saw the birth of my daughter and marrying my wife. The, 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 right, so right, they right. hear this, they know that I, I remember them. <laughs> but in, in terms of the, my, my, my professional career, it, it's, I think looking back is I, I did what I wanted to do is is kind of my 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 memory that I, I would love to take you know it wasn't one of those I had to paint by numbers I had to do it a certain way I did what I wanted to do and I'm having fun doing it and I don't want to sound conceited or egotistical about that but it's 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 not you know you look at my career path and you look at the decisions that I've made and it's not one of those it's just traditional and it's kind of what I wanted to do it felt right for me and so long answer to a short question is I had the opportunity to do what I wanted to do and I, I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been great. Ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? Uh Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Well, we talked a lot about PBR. How long do you think you would last on a bull? Uh, Point negative eight seconds. Have you tried it? Uh, No, and nor (laughs) will I. (laughs) I was going to say, it does not look safe. If you would have a superpower, what would you want your superpower to be and why? Ooh. Uh, telepathy. I would okay. want to, yeah, uh, not only in business, but in life. If I could yeah. figure out what my wife 
wife and daughter were thinking or what the consumers want. I think I'd be a lot better off in my days. Perfect, both personally and professionally. <laughs> what TV show would you love to be on? Oh, oh, easy. Amazing race. Okay. I would. Right. Me and my brother were crushed that show. <laughs> I hope hopefully they're listening in and maybe you'll get the invite. Well, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Don't be afraid to say yes. Ask for help when you need it. Take risk when you have the opportunity. I love it. I love it. You know, to, to your point, if just that was the, the the theme of this entire podcast is is taking risk and and it's OK to ask for help and, and don't be afraid to say yes, like do the things outside the box. So love it. Koshe, thank you so much. You certainly had a great career and a fun journey. Pleasure talking to you and I appreciate your time and your expertise. Cheers, mate. I appreciate you as well. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.